regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. Glad you're with us. I am your host, Jacques Hopkins, and right over there is our co-host. What is up, Dr. K? Not too much. Doing fantastic up here. How are you? Good. Doing fantastic down here, although it is quite stormy here. So if you hear any big pops or pows or... Or, uh, or we suddenly lose connection, it's because we have a big storm rolling through, but we'll try to power through on this side. So, David, last time we talked on the podcast, you remember what I was just about to do in my business? I think you were ready to port over like 5,000 or 6,000 students. Yes, yes, yes. So overall, it went very, very well. There's a lot of things that could have gone wrong. And there was there certainly were some, a few little minor snafus, but nothing major. So we have successfully migrated out all the students. Uh, the old platform on ClickFunnels is still there, but it's a skeleton of what it was before. Really trying to get everybody to use the new platform and everybody is loving it. The reviews are overwhelmingly positive. And um, yeah, we're we're on the new system with over five thousand members, and it's going it's going well. Nice. Well, um, I've been watching some conversation uh, between like you and Jason, and I've been in the Facebook group just where you've been asking people how they experience this for them. Like, how is the speed of the site performing? Mm, great question. I I had some things to talk about related to that. I'm glad you teed me up for that. We didn't we didn't prep for that ahead of time, but. Going into this, um, so if anybody's not aware, my my course and everything is now on a WordPress-based solution. And speed is one of the, there, there's really two main reasons a lot of people don't don't go the WordPress route. One is the complexity, and two is, is speed and performance. And as far as speed and performance goes, I, I hired somebody to optimize it. I hired a WordPress expert, a WordPress speed optimization expert, supposedly, Okay. To, to optimize it. And the way that I went about launching the new platform was I just, I turned it on for the evergreen funnel first. So we, we had a slow trickle of new students at first. And so two weeks ago, there was only 250, 300 members and it was, it was doing fine. But then once we got up to 5,000 members, you know, I started polling people and their one complaint was, Hey, it's kind of slow. Like anything you can do about this. I'm like, ah, well, I feel like I've done what I can do because I paid somebody a fair amount of money to optimize this already. Well, I, I did some digging. I did some research. And as it turns out, the person I hired didn't do a very good job. Mm. And I think the reason that that uh, he or she did not do a good job is because they didn't have much experience with like membership sites, meaning lots of users, lots of, you know, basically optimizing a, a membership based WordPress site is a completely different ballgame than updating your typical WordPress site. And I don't think this person understood that. And so not only did they not do a good job, but they did they implemented some things that were took it the other direction that he made it slower instead of faster. And so I started learning all this stuff. So I kind of took a deep dive for a couple of days on this because it was really important to me. Like everything was going really well, but this was like the one big complaint. So, I mean, just to get kind of nerdy for a second, we hadn't, he hadn't in, implemented any sort of CDN 
which um, my understanding is kind of a network all over the world that can serve out your pages um, and your information to, from the, the closest location to the person trying to access it. We didn't have any of that implemented. That's like 101 type stuff in terms of making your 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 site faster. Um, the biggest thing was the, this this uh, company, this person implemented a plugin called WP Rocket, which is a a pretty you know an industry standard for WordPress, like speeding up WordPress sites. It's it's the go to, and I've used it before, and have had a good experience with it. Well, as it turns out, WP Rocket was actually slowing everything down for whatever reason on a membership site. So I, I'm pretty sure most of what I paid this person was to configure WP Rocket. And at the end of the day, I just deleted it and everything started running a lot faster. Wow. So be careful when you hire somebody to optimize your page speed because it went the other direction for me. Well, yeah, I'm curious about any other things that you learned in this process. Yeah, uh, phew, I, I learned a lot. I'm not... Uh, I, I'm not prepared to to give like a top five lessons learned or anything. The next thing I will say is the hosting provider that we ended up going with is phenomenal. So if anybody is looking for a new host for their WordPress site, even if it's not your, your course itself, I've been using Kinsta, K-I-N-S-T-A, and it's been really great. And they were actually very helpful in terms of, you know, helping me diagnose that WP rocket issue and, and helping me implement certain things to make the site faster. It's been a phenomenal experience with Kinsta. All right, next, I would like to, since it's kind of officially official now, I would like to just review my tech stack one more time. Like what are all the pieces and parts to the site, the membership, my course platform now? Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. So uh, buddy boss, right? That's I'll list that first. That's kind of the community aspect. And then learn dash is kind of the course aspect the, both of those are essentially plugins running on WordPress. Then we've got WooCommerce, which is how I accept payments. And that's connected to Stripe and PayPal. Then we've got cart flows, which is a, it's kind of like click funnels for WordPress. It allows you to easily make funnels, um, with a click, you might say, and it's it's okay. Like it's it's probably the best WordPress plugin for like funnels. Their support is very lacking. I'm not a big fan of their support, but the the tech has worked so far. And so like my order forms, my order confirmations, like those are all built with Cartflows. Um, Elementor Pro is kind of the page builder. That's that's really nice. Um, that's one thing I love about ClickFunnels is their page builder. It's just simple, easy. Like I can build pages myself. And so Elementor Pro is not as good, or maybe it's just that I'm not as used to it, but it's it gets the job done. I'm also using WP Fusion, which is a plugin that integrates my WordPress users and, or, or maybe syncs is a better word. It syncs my WordPress users with ActiveCampaign. And so basically what that allows me to do is restrict access for a WordPress user based on the active campaign tag. And so that's, that's like my one big thing that I'm still using outside of WordPress that I absolutely love and probably not going to change. I love active campaign. So if I can have those two like WordPress plus active campaign, like fully synced up, that's amazing. WP fusion has been amazing. And that was actually a really key element in the migration. I won't go into exactly the technical details of that, but uh, I, the migration would not have been nearly as smooth without WP Fusion. Uh, a couple more here, Automator WP. Uh, there's there's a theme of, of WP being in the, in the names of these. Automator WP is basically Zapier for WordPress. 
So if you go, um, if you have Automator WP enabled, then you can connect all of your different plugins together. And that's really cool. Um, the events calendar is a plugin I'm using for our live events, like scheduling and RSVPs and, and calendar invitations and all that. A couple more, uh, Gammy press is what allows us to have like badges when they, you know, when they first log in, they get a badge when they do a three day streak, like they've, they've logged in and practiced three days in a row, they get a badge. Uh, there's a lot more gamification you can do, but I don't want to get too like gimmicky with it. Um, so we're just, we're just scratching the surface there. And then the last one I actually haven't quite implemented yet, but I started to play around with it. And this is where my affiliate program is going to live. It's on affiliate WP. And uh, there's lots of WordPress plugins for affiliate programs, but this seems like the best one. I just started messing with it a couple of days ago. I've actually already downgraded my ClickFunnels plan from the 297 plan to the 97 plan because really the only thing I was using for those extra $200 a month was the their affiliate program within ClickFunnels. And so I'm going to use the affiliate WP for that going forward. Really excited about that. And that, that's one thing I never liked about ClickFunnels very much was their their affiliate program was very complicated. So, man, that's the that's the tech stack. What do you think? Well, it sounds complicated. That's quite a stack. And uh, I guess just I mean, the question that comes to mind is like, do you feel like all these things are going to play nice together? Or how often, I mean, are you anticipating that one thing's not going to work with the other? Well, they're all they're all working so far. The newest one to the stack is that affiliate WP. I just installed it yesterday, but so far everything's working um, just fine together. But that is the that is the downside of one of the downsides of this solution. I'm fairly technical. Um, I'm not like the world's most technical person, but um, if somebody is not technical technical at all, then this may not be a good solution. And I mentioned that on our kind of review episode, I think the last last episode of 2020. Um, but so far, so good. I mean, the, the to me, the, the amount of customizability, is that a word? And um, the potential with, hey, if you need an extra feature in your platform, like there's probably a plugin out there you can install. Whereas before, like, you know, if it was, let's just say like, if I moved to Kajabi and I wanted to have a section for live events, well, if they don't have the live events feature, then I can't have it in my platform. Whereas with WordPress, I just look and there's tons of events plugins and I found the best one for me and we implemented it. It works great. So I'm loving it so far. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So that is the update on my side. Uh, I want to hear from you and I would like to start by, um, well, I was, I was, I, I get interviewed on podcasts here and, there, and I've actually got a podcast interview right after this, but I was, I was on a very interesting podcast recently. And, um, it was this, there was this guy who's starting a new podcast, um, about wedding proposals. And, uh, and that was you, you got a new podcast coming out. That's right. Yes. It's something I've been working on. I've been thinking about it for a long time, a long time before, before you and I talked about our wedding proposals, I just always found the stories of proposals to be interesting. Every time a couple has shared theirs, you know, they just never go the way that they planned. And uh, you think about if somebody tells their wedding proposal, it's like, it's something that that I just smile when I'm listening. And uh, certainly they usually have some laugh out loud moments. So I, I thought, you know, this is a podcast could be about 20 minutes long. And I think that it would have a high percent of the time where people are smiling, where they actually laugh. I love a story with a plot twist, right? You know, Fight Club, learning Kaiser Soze, who it is. I love a plot twist. And every wedding proposal, pretty much, at least the ones that I'm going to focus on on this show, 
there's going to be a point where it was supposed to go one way and it zags the other direction. Um, when you plan a wedding proposal, it's like you can't visualize or manifest or Harry Potter wand your way to a perfect proposal. Things are going to go wrong. And uh, Jacques, I got to hear your story on Friday. Um, appreciate you and Nikki being on. And I mean, your story had a couple moments that could really make listeners hold their breath. I mean, it's just, I can picture that moment where you're in that, you're in that hotel room and you're like, what do I do without giving it away? But I mean, it's good stories. Yeah. We'll have to uh, just tease it and make people listen to your podcast to hear what you're talking about there with the hotel room. But that was a, that was a tough call, whether I should stay there or not. I didn't know what to do. That was, uh, you know, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. So that was kind of before we had iPhones and could really communicate very well. Um, was there, were there, were there any plot twists in my story that you weren't really aware of? I would say so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, people will have to listen to it, but certainly, uh, certainly the part where you're, you're like sneaking your way through, the t- through the town, trying not to be spotted is like a funny visual image. Yep. I can rem- remember that like it was yesterday. So man, what is your, what is your end game with this podcast? I mean, you obviously have your full-time chiropractic business. You have your, you have your online course. Like, is this purely a hobby because this is something you would want to listen to? Or are you trying to start like a a full-fledged business here? Well, I mean, it could go either way, but um, again, I don't think I've said the name of it. It's called I propose a story. And so you can go to I propose a story.com. And I mean, I'd love to see it just get off to a strong start. I'd love to see people um, join uh, and, and start to listen. And, you know, you don't know what kind of an initial pop you're going to experience, but certainly I'm going to try to reach out to people and get the most amazing stories possible and get a strong start. Um, as far as, as a long-term growth and monetizing it, I would love for it to, to provide a return on investment. So one idea that I have is I'm going to put a, basically a personality-based quiz. It's going to have it be available for people that are looking to propose where it says, how should I propose? And they answer some questions about themselves, about their significant other, and then it gives them these proposal ideas. And I'd like to put affiliate links in there for for booking trips. This is a little bit, uh, I feel a little bit conflicted about this, but I'd like to put, to put out a course on credit card rewards travel hacking. And uh, I'm kind of an anti-debt anti guy. People that listen to this podcast would know that, but the average cost of a wedding is $34,000 today. And so if people are going to be spending that much, it's kind of a good time to say, okay, well, I might as well get some amount of rewards travel based on that. And so that's another another way to monetize it. Um, the other things is just when you do something unique, it's like I'll probably put out a press release to my local newspaper news channels, and it could bring me more business uh, in my chiropractic practice. And then I was also thinking I can sponsor some of my sponsor some episodes with Granola Face Skincare, which is my wife's skincare line. And so as I looked at this, I'm like, there's all these different ways that it can be worthwhile. None of them has to be a home run entirely, although it would be cool if one of them is. I love it, man. And I know that you have kind of always enjoyed hearing proposal stories. And we've we've I've, I've told the high level version of mine on the podcast. You've told yours as well. So I'm excited for you. I remember when you you first told me about this idea, I was like, man, that that sounds really cool and, and, and pretty unique as well. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, huh, like I, I would love to maybe be on that podcast and share my interesting proposal story. Is that something that you're that you're like accepting applications to, to come on the podcast and tell their story? 
Yes, definitely. So head to that I Propose a Story and you can submit just basically the synopsis of your, of your story. I'm looking for ones where, again, there's there's some obstacles, there's some kind of foot and mouth moments, some moments where it just has some ups and downs and some laugh out loud moments. So definitely looking for that. Okay. So David, here's what you need to do. By the time this episode airs, you need to try to have some episodes out there. You need to try to have launched because I'm going to tell people right now, go find this. I propose a story. At the very least, you can definitely get to the website. I propose a story.com. You can, I guess, kind of apply to, to maybe be on. Uh, you can sign up for the email list. And hopefully by then there's actually some episodes out. So we kind of teased my proposal story. So maybe mine will be out there. So at the very least, go check it out and see if you can hear my story. But I'm excited to subscribe to it and, and, and see where this goes for you. Yeah, I will share just one thing. So I basically started, I built a website and I want to give a shout out to Wes McDowell. He's in your next level courses, but Wes McDowell puts out amazing content on SEO, advertising, how to build WordPress Elementor websites. So if you want to learn how to do any of that, I found his video on how to make an entire Elementor website and I just followed it. And that's, if you go look at this, I propose a story, I just followed his one hour tutorial. Then I joined Jonathan Mendonca's Talent Stacker Podcaster course. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you, I, I started I started taking steps toward this, but I still felt some hesitation. And one piece of hesitation was, was I going to enjoy doing these recordings? And that's where it was really important. I've recorded two of these episodes so far, and both of them, I was smiling, I was laughing, there were those breath-holding moments. And so I was like, yeah, I'll definitely enjoy that. But then there was this final piece of hesitation, and that's, are people going to think this is weird, right? I mean, like, are they going to think... Why is this guy want to talk about proposal stories? And it was so funny. I did uh, an outing with my little brother from Big Brothers Big Sisters the other day. And somehow we got on the topic of, you know, being weird versus being normal. And he says, yeah, if somebody says you're weird, just say, who are you trying to be normal for? He says, that's a response. And I was like, I was like, Preston, that's brilliant. It's profound. It's profound because, and, and really the next question is like, why do you want to be normal? Like, what's great about being normal? And so uh, that's that's kind of the final piece of the puzzle is just saying, you know, I don't want to be normal. I'm okay with being different. I'm okay with doing something a little bit different. And I'm excited to share these stories. I'm going to enjoy listening to them. And I hope that other people do as well. Awesome. Well, it's not. It's, it sounds like you didn't set out to be like, oh, I've got this brilliant business idea that's going to make me so much money. You're, you're setting out on this because it's kind of something that you you would want for yourself anyway. Like if this type of podcast already existed, then you'd be subscribing to it. And and let me transition to our, our conversation of the day. Um, very similarly, Michael Walker, who we're going to be hearing from very shortly, like the, the program that he's put together is something that he designed for, for himself or, or, you know, himself several years ago. So, so Michael is a, uh, Michael is a, he's a musician and um, now he teaches people he teaches musicians to to kind of grow their their fan base like up and coming bands and whatnot um so you can find his stuff at modern-musician.com and and i don't normally like read off bios or anything like that but just kind of to lead into this into this full conversation between myself and michael let, let me just kind of read what's at the kind of the top of modernmusician.com about michael because I, I think it's it's a good 
kind of summary here. So it says, Michael Walker is leading a revolution in today's music industry, having personally reached 17 million views on YouTube, working with Grammy award-winning producers and touring internationally to perform for hundreds of thousands of fans worldwide. Michael is one of those rare mentors who has actually walked the walk of their own methodology. Starting out with pure grassroots techniques, he and his band Paradise Fears... By the way, have you have you heard of Paradise Fears? I went and listened. I like yeah, it. it's it's good stuff. That's like right up my alley of the of the of the genre I like it and especially used to listen to. Um, uh, Paradise Fears went from living out of their cars to selling twenty four thousand albums in six months and reaching number two on the iTunes alternative charts. Taking his talents through a three tier system, artistic identity, passionate fan base, and revenue multiplier, Michael provides artists with the tools necessary to create a lasting career in the music industry. So, Michael, um, you'll you'll hear was part of a, a a young band coming out of high school. And they, they struggled to grow their fan base and they came up with some kind of unique ways to um, to do that and, and reach a, a pretty good level of success with their band. And now he teaches other bands um, some of the insider tips and tricks to do that. He's been very, very successful. It's a high ticket program. Lots of good stuff here. So without further ado, here is the full conversation between myself and Michael. What's up, Michael Walker? Welcome to the Online Course Show. Hey, what's going on, Jack? Thanks for having me. Yep. Good to, good to see you, man. We've, we've had uh, several conversations offline. Obviously, we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the past couple of months. Glad to finally get you uh, here on on the podcast, on the online course show. Uh, so let's for, for the audience, let's start it this way and go back to kind of the, the Paradise, Paradise Fears days. Tell us a little about, bit about that. Are, are you one of those people that just like always wanted to be a musician? I definitely wouldn't say I always wanted to be a musician. Um, I think where it really started getting serious for me was in high school when I was uh, a pretty geeky kid and um, definitely... Not you, man. Not, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Right. The guy who loves math. But uh, yeah, I think I think I realized when I picked up a guitar, um, girls actually paid attention to me, and like, and it was it was um, the only thing that that I really had that that I knew like how to like I, I was a pretty socially awkward kid, and um, and I mean music music is is something that's been woven you know throughout my life from a young age, but I think in high school is when it started to get really serious, and when our band started, and to uh, make a long story short, or I'll, I'll try to make it as, as as quick as possible, but um, I started with Paradise Fears, my band, in high school. Um, like I said, in high school is really because it was mostly the um, the best way I knew how to express myself and to um, not be a total total dork. And then um, out of high school, uh, things started getting a little bit more serious with the band. We were considering um, doing it full time, made a big decision to rather than becoming a dentist, which was my original plan, started touring with the band. And when we first started out, uh, we were really excited because we booked our first tour and we, and we thought like, awesome, like, we're going to go out, we're going to play shows. And, and we were telling like all of our friends, yeah, we're going to go on our first tour. It's going to be awesome quickly realized that in order to be successful touring, you need to, you can't just book the shows. You also need to like be able to get people to come out to the shows. And uh, yeah, I remember at that, at that point we were playing a lot of shows to like just the bartender in the back of the room. And, and um, at the point we were living in our van, sleeping in our parking lots. And I remember going into Walmart and getting like a big stack of flour tortillas and a big jar of peanut butter. And, you know, that was breakfast, lunch, and dinner for us was uh, peanut butter tortillas but if we want to get really extravagant with it, we would throw in like a banana in there. So it's peanut butter, <laughs> banana tortillas. 
And our lead singer had an idea. Um, the thing that really kind of turned everything around for us was this first idea that now now we call tour hacking. And uh, there are six of us in the band. And basically, we split up into groups of two. And we followed other bands' tours around the country. And bef- like bands like some of our favorite bands were All Time Low, Blink-182, Made a Parade, kind of like pop punk. And for their shows, they would have thousands of people waiting in line to go in and see the show sometimes for days in advance. And so we thought, you know, what if we just walk up and, and introduce ourselves to those people? So I had a pair of headphones and about like uh, 30 second clips of some of our songs. And so I'd walk up to people and just introduce, introduce myself and ask if they wanted to hear some of our music. And I was like a super shy, awkward kid. So that didn't come naturally to me at all. And I was, I was like shaking and stuttering as I walked up to people. But what we found is it was just that that worked really, really well. And between the six of us, we sold 24,000 CDs in about four and a half months doing that. And because of that, got on the radar of one of the bands that that we were quote unquote tour hacking on. It was called All Time Low. You know, they, they had millions of fans and they were like one of my favorite bands of all time. And they heard about what we were doing and they gave us the opportunity to open for them on their next tour. So that was like a surreal, you know, a surreal moment. Where we were like hanging out backstage with uh, some of our favorite bands. And um, from, from there, it really kind of snowballed into a, a career where we got to, to tour and meet a lot of our favorite artists and collaborate with them. And we released an album that hit number two on iTunes. Uh, we got about 24 million streams. And about three years ago, I mean, we did that for about 10 years. And then a few years ago, um, when I found out I was going to be a dad, uh, I was at a point where I was gone most of the year. And um, I was looking for a way to be able to provide for them without um, having to rely on, on traveling as much. And I kind of stumbled upon uh, this online world of course creators and what, you know, what this community is probably doing right now. And I like listening to this and found some mentors Um, like Jeff Walker was one of my first mentors and uh, went out to one of his events. And, you know, funny enough, Jacques, um, my first idea for a course was uh, to create a how to play piano course. No way. (laughs) Because it it was because, because I'm the keyboardist in in the band and I, and I started, I started uh, going down the route and then I I sort of shifted like, or before I started getting serious on that. So it's kind of, kind of interesting, but let me, let me stop you for a second, Michael. I'd like to jump back to the, to the band story a little bit before we keep moving Mm -hmm. forward. I'm curious, it sounds like coming out of high school, you had a kind of a big decision to make. You mentioned like I could go more traditional, be a dentist, or Mm -hmm. I could, pursue this band thing that we started in high school. I'm curious to know what was your main motivator for picking the band route? Was it maybe you could eventually make more money than a dentist? Was it the fame? Like what was your motivator? Yeah. So being a dentist was never something that I was really that excited about. (laughs) I think like being a dentist was the idea was I got good grades in school and it was a relatively easy job where I could make some good money and there wasn't really much much drive or much passion around there. The band was a lot more of a question mark. It was a lot more of an adventure, but it was also it seemed a lot more risky at the time. Also, the fact that a few of us in the band had like full ride scholarships, and so like by pursuing the band, we were worried that like that it was like a big risk that that, that we do that. So what we found out was that we could defer our scholarships for a year and basically like try the band and just give it our all. And if it didn't work out, we could always, um, we could, we could have our scholarships. So that was, so it was kind of like we had a safety net to really kind of fully give ourselves um, into the process and and give it our best. The thing that kind of clinched it for me, this was like a big leverage point. And yeah, I think it's why, 
people like you, Jacques, and my mentors and just the mentorship in general is so, so important um, is because of, you know, little like leverage, little things like this can, that, like, literally can change the entire trajectory of, of your year or not, not year, but of your, of your life, which is, um, I remember one of our first producers, uh, Jordan Schmidt, who he was like this up and coming producer in Minneapolis. And now he's like written uh, several multi-platinum songs and he's like a really established songwriter. But at the time he was just kind of up and coming and he was a mentor for us. He was kind of someone that was at the next level. And I remember we were telling him that, you know, as, as a band, we think the plan is that we're going to go to college in South Dakota where we grew up and that we're going to do the band at the same time. And, and he told us like, look, like you can, you can do that if you want, but if you're serious about the band, it's the, it's the, the bands that are successful are the ones who they don't have a plan B, like they like go all into it. You can't like split your focus like that. And I remember like getting that piece of advice from him. And that's why we decided to, to really give it our all for that entire year and then kind of go back to it. Um, so that was one lesson that that was, that was really valuable. I think that it just kind of gave us permission to be like, yeah, like you can go for this 100% and really give it, give it a shot. Got it. All right. Well, let's fast forward to, uh, to about three years ago and use the words stumbled upon, which I think it's an interesting choice of words there. Now, I got into this world around 2008 when I discovered the book, The 4-Hour Workweek. That's how I stumbled upon kind of this, this world I didn't know existed. Um, and obviously, it's a lot bigger world today than back in 2008. And, and I really don't even know what prompted me to read that book. I just know that that was kind of my entry point into this like online entrepreneurship, online marketing type world. What was, uh, I mean, clearly you were looking for a way to spend more time with your family, with your new, your new kid. And so you didn't want to be on the road as much, but there's lots of ways to not be on the road as much. Like, do you know what drew you in initially? Yeah. So I think probably really good marketing from, from Jeff Walker and okay. uh, his, his JV launch. But, uh, you know, so growing up, uh, one of my like virtual mentors, I guess, was uh, a guy named Evan Pagan. And, you know, him, like, I've never been to one of his events. I've never met him personally, but I consider him like a big mentor early on, especially when I was like, yeah, I, I think I discovered him when I was in high school when, like I said, I was like a shy, awkward kid. And double, he double your dating, David D'Angelo. I think it was double your dating. Yeah. Which is all about like, like, like it was a, a rapper for like personal development. Yeah. <laughs> it was like oh, yeah. personal development work. And um, so, you know, I had connected with him as a mentor and he had really just helped me to, you know, become a better person. I felt like I'm a better human. And and I, I think that I got an email probably from him promoting a Jeff Walker launch. He was doing a product launch formula. And I think that's how I, you know, quote unquote, stumbled upon it. But really, but really it wasn't stumbling upon anything, right? Like it was like by, by design. But, um, but you know, I think I attended one of Jeff's workshops. I saw some of the free training. I was like, whoa, like this is, this is cool. Like this is an interesting opportunity. And um, I didn't purchase the course right away because I didn't think I had $2,000 that I could invest into it. And uh, I still was kind of in the orbit though. I was in the orbit and there was like a, in the community group, there was a group of people who were like, Hey, do you, like, do you guys want to start a mastermind? Or you're like, does anyone want to meet? And I had read the book thinking Roy rich. We talked about masterminds. I'm like, Hmm, like I need, like, that sounds cool. Like I need, I need to find a mastermind. And, um, the master, like I happened to get connected with, you know, five, five people who are also kind of in, uh, Jeff's orbit. And one of them was like one of Jeff's case studies, like one of his success stories was this, this cake business lady named, uh, Kara. 
and she she was awesome and uh, she basically inspired me to come out to one of Jeff's live events and that's what really sealed the deal like when I got there I was like holy cow this is crazy like this is a world this is a, a community of people who I didn't even know that this existed it was like I felt like I belonged there like I, I didn't feel weird for being interested in like personal development and entrepreneurship. And it was the first time that I'd ever had an experience like that being like surrounded by people who like had, had the same kinds of interests like that. And it was really powerful. Yeah. So you, so you joined the mastermind, you had some great influences, you go to the live event. When you went to the live event, I assume we're still talking about roughly three years ago. Did you have your idea? Like, did you know what your business was yet? Or you're still trying to figure that out? Yeah, I think that I was loosely, that, that was around the time that I was thinking the piano piano course business, but I went there kind of thinking like, you know, what's funny too is actually, I remember that first, that first live event, we did all the exercises and I did all the exercises about um, the how to play piano course. I remember even like there was a question and answer segment and Jeff did this like hero's journey channeling segment where like you basically had people in the audience share their stories and he'd kind of be like, like, you know, how this is how you can frame it. Like, you know, I think I'm a lot like you. I used to struggle, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I, so he did one of those for me and it was about like the, how to play piano um, thing. And someone got like a recording of it. So I still have the recording on my, on my phone. And that was like a really magical um, moment. Like Jeff has become like a huge mentor. I've been out to his, to his house, you know, in, in Durango and, you know, and been, I, I got number two on, uh, in terms of fine. He has like uh, 10 finalists for like a, a yearly competition he does. And there's, this one person standing between me and uh, $25,000, which really like, like that's, that, that didn't mean as much as um, what we all, all of us got, which was getting to go hang out with Jeff, you know, in person at, and at like a mastermind thing. But uh, it, it was at that event. It wasn't until the very last, the very last day when it was, the event was completely over. And I remember there's a bunch of people who were hanging out at the bar of the hotel and it was just like a social gathering. And, and I remember talking with a group of two other guys. I've had maybe a 10 minute conversation. I've never seen them again, but I was talking with them. I think I, we were, we were like just uh, getting to know each other. And when I told them about uh, paradise fears, I think I, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, you know, I wonder, should I do the piano thing or should I teach um, this tour hacking idea? And he's like, you know what, dude, like the tour hacking thing is like, that's a much better story. Like you should, you should do that. And like, that was the confirmation. I was like, okay, like, cool. I'm going to do that. And that has really sort of, sort of evolved into everything that we're doing right now. So it is kind of funny how you can connect the dots backwards. And I think about it the same way that like when I met my wife, it was, there's a bunch of little things that happened that night that kind of like, if they didn't happen exactly the way that they happened, then I wouldn't have met her and I wouldn't have my two, my two kids and like my entire life that I have right now. I feel so, so grateful for my family. And like, it's crazy how those, those little things can make such a big ripple effect. Yeah. yeah, Butterfly effect. That's what, that's what I think of. That's amazing. It's funny that you went through that whole live event thinking piano course, piano course, piano course. And then at the end, it's like, ah, well, this based on this one thing, this guy said, like, that might be the the better path for me. And it sounds like, I mean, I'm biased too, because I'm, I'm in the piano course world, but like, it sounds like much more of a, um, what do they call it? Like a uh, blue ocean versus red ocean, right? More of a new opportunity. Less people are talking about this tour hacking thing or better put, um, helping undiscovered bands get more discoverable, I would say. And your method, one of your methods is tour hacking, whereas how many hundreds or thousands of piano courses out there exist, right? 
Not that you couldn't have succeeded there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, let me just say, I'm glad that I'm not competing with, with yours because yours looks freaking awesome, Jack. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. So you, you feel confident with this idea, right? You've just gotten back from a conference. What, what are the next steps? I mean, are you just following the course, the, the product launch formula method and, and, and getting out there? Like, what'd you do next? Yeah. So, so another thing that happened at that, that first event was, you know, Jeff had uh, an opportunity where he made an offer for his launch club, which was, you know, a $12,000 uh, coaching program for a year. And I think I was on like, like high energy from uh, just finishing reading the book, Think and Grow Rich and so, like doing the visualization. And so when that opportunity came up, I like, I jumped on it and, and I did it. And to be honest, it was at a point where we had just bought a house and I def- I didn't have $12,000 to invest in something like that, but I did the monthly plan and I just, I felt like it was the right, like it was the right decision. And it was a really challenging first year. It was like one of the, the most challenging years of, of my life because, you know, the first six months of me, try- I like created, worked really hard to create a course and you know, I hadn't really built any sort of audience yet of musicians. I didn't have like, I started running some ads, but I think I maybe had like one or 200 people, like emails of completely like new people on my list and worked really hard to create this, this course and like, and tried, tried launching it and didn't make any sales, you know? And I was, and it was right around that time when I found out like I was going to be a dad and uh, was like kind of in hyper, hyper gear. I was like, I need to figure, I need to figure this out. Like I, I need to provide for them or, or else I'm going to have to get like, quote unquote, get a real job and kind of figure, figure things out. I remember about halfway through that year, um, going to one of the launch club events and there's a bunch of people who are like the most successful you know, people in the community were like giving presentations on stage and kind of sharing like ideas. And I remember, Afterwards, I happened to to connect with one of the people who's like friends with the people on stage, and they're like, "Hey, we're about to go like grab lunch. Like, you want to grab lunch?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And so I remember like specifically sitting at this table, and there's all these people sitting at the table who I had seen as like these like faces who were really successful and like were way beyond where I was at, and I felt kind of like an imposter sitting at this table, like like this is this is crazy. Like these these all these people have multiple six figure businesses. And uh, I remember this uh, this really really nice uh, lady was sitting next to me, and she's like, "So, like, what? Like, how, how are things going for you?" <laughs> and it was at that point I was about like thirty six thousand dollars in debt, and um, I was about to be a dad, and like things were not going well, and I was like so like I was I was uh, under a lot of stress, and I remember like kind of breaking down and starting to like tear up and just kind of sharing like this is how it's going, and and she's like, you know what, like. Um, they don't really advertise this, but you know, if you reach out to the coaches, like you can get a one-on-one session and you should like reach out to Donna and she might be able to help you kind of get things jump started. And so, so I did that. And, you know, on that one-on-one session with Donna, that was another one of those moments that was like a, like a life-changing, uh, le- a lever point where I remember having that conversation and I basically, my question was like, as a bootstrapping new business owner, new entrepreneur who's never made a sale. Like what's the easiest way to make my first thousand dollars? Like how, how can I just make like anything? Cause I hadn't made any sales or anything yet. And she gave me three ideas and I don't remember what the third one was, but the other two were like, you know, completely changed our whole, the trajectory of our whole business. And I remember one of them was, um, when I just starting out that 
I should hold a summit or that I should interview other music mentors who had an audience of musicians and kind of taught complimentary things. And two, that one of the best ways to get started um, generating revenue is to get started with one-on-one coaching uh, before I, I created the course. And that was the first time I had heard anything like that because, you know, J- Jeff's whole thing is, is product launch formula and creating a course. And, and, you know, he has like the seed launch idea too, but I think I was even kind of like pre-seed launch. And so I took that advice and, and I started getting on conversations with real musicians and I started offering coaching. And that was the first time that I actually made my first sale was for like, I think it was like $400 a month um, for two sessions a month, like bi-weekly. And I think I got a few clients, a few bands, and I started teaching them this idea with tour hacking and just kind of showing up and just answering their questions and, and supporting them. And there's one band with, you know, two guys in the band and they went out and they went tour hacking and they made $11,000 in a single month doing it. And I was like, awesome. Like, cool. Like this is, this is great. Now I have like a success story and you know, I'm actually making like money and I'm like, this is great. Like if I, if I just have 10 clients that I'm set for the rest of my life, <laughs> I was like, I don't even need like any, anything else. And you know, long, long story short, like that, that's the, that was the starting point. And eventually, I mean, one, like everyone around me, and this is part of the value, I think of surrounding yourself with, with people who are at a higher level than you, um, who are pushing, stretching you to grow. They're all like, dude, like you're way undervaluing, um, your time. And like, this isn't scalable. Like, you know, if, if you want to be able to reach more people and make a bigger impact, like you need to one, be charging a lot more for one-on-one sessions and make it more scalable. And, you know, and that's, and then from there, that's, basically just like what's happened. Like there's been every single part of the model, at least like our, our business model is, has been really focusing on uh, one-on-one coaching. And, you know, the problem with one-on-one coaching is that it's not infinitely scalable. It's like, there's only a limited amount of time that you can get on a one-on-one call with someone. But that also creates, I think, a certain sense of of tangible, like a limited amount of it. And and I think that there is a big opportunity. I mean, I think that also right now, there is like so much, there's so much information online uh, for a lot of people. I think a lot of people feel overwhelmed. And there is something really valuable about being able to, I think with, with coaching, it's a great complimentary offer to add on the, as like a high end offer where the kind of unique selling point of it is that, that it's going to save you time. It's going to save you a lot of time. I think people um, really value their time and they value money. And, you know, if you can save someone a ton of time, then if they have a lot of money and then they'll be willing to invest in order to save that time. So, yeah, fast forward to to now. Basically, I've every step as as our business has grown, I've been like the I've I've I become the the ceiling or I become the block. Like I it's there's a better there's a more poetic way of putting that, but there's bottleneck. the bottleneck. That's the right word. And so basically as as we've grown, um, we've hired a team. We've hired a team and now we have 18 coaches who are taking the session the one-on-one sessions that I used to take. And as it's as it's grown. This is the part too, where I think that we're at a point where now 
eventually I think that that, that becomes really difficult to scale because then you have like managers of managers of managers and like the whole, like, it's just, it's, it can be a, a really difficult thing to scale, like too big. Um, but I think it's a great way to scale to the point that we're at right now. So right now, you know, we're, we're bringing in about 150 K per month and we have things set up, um, really well in terms of like the book profit first, like we've talked about is fantastic. And I totally recommend that for anyone in terms of structuring your, but your budgeting, but you know, we have like a good, um, healthy profit margin and we have things set up well, but it's, uh, our program is, is really like, there's a weekly one-on-one session for, for three, three months. It's a $5,000 program and there's a training portal that goes along with it too. But, but also I think that we're at a point right now where it's like probably time to figure out more pieces of the business model that are more scalable, like really honing in a, a solid standalone course and, or uh, we have like our software as a service that we're developing right now. They'll be a lot more scalable. I know I'm kind of like jumping around a lot, a lot here, but there's a lot to go through. Hopefully I'm not just like laying it on too thick. Man, it's, I mean, it's fascinating, Michael, uh, and we've talked before, but, but I certainly didn't know the full picture, the full story. And I'm just so intrigued right now. Um, so, and, and really going from nothing to 18 coaches, like this massively successful group coaching program or, or coaching program in such a short amount of time is, is, is amazing. And so it's very interesting to hear that you were kind of all in with Jeff Walker's method and you were getting connected with the right people. The first time you launched, you made zero sales, right? But yet here you are a couple of years later, really successful. One thing I'm confused on, and, and I'm sure you'll be able to answer this, but why, why is it that you were able to make a sale for one-on-one coaching, but not for the course? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I, I think I, I use this analogy because I'm a musician. So I use this analogy a lot of kind of being in tune. You know, when I was, when I launched the course, I made a lot of assumptions. Like I, I thought that I understood where, like where people are at, but I, I, to be honest, I was kind of disconnected. Like I had, um, I had been touring for like 10 years and I had built a successful music career and I had really kind of lost touch with what it felt like at the beginning and what people were looking for. Also, I wasn't good at selling really. I was like a pretty, a pretty terrible sales salesperson. And so I think the, the one-on-one, the reason I was able to, to make that one-on-one sale is because, yeah, I've heard Jeff just like talk about it this way too, where, you know, if you literally it was life or death and you needed, like you absolutely needed to be able to sell someone something, then the best way that you could sell it to them would be like face to face. You know, like I would just be like, you know, it's the most effective because then you can take cues, you can be having conversations, you can look at someone's face as you're talking to them, you can see how something lands and it gives you feedback, like really instant, fast feedback. And I think that's the thing that I was lacking. Like I didn't really have a community of musicians. I didn't have a good feedback mechanism. And so I think that that's where the one-on-one coaching as a starting point really helped because I actually got to be on like a Zoom call and I got to actually have a conversation. I got to ask good questions and kind of hear directly what their answers were. And over time, that's that knowledge. Yeah, there's a lot of people who talk about like, you know, entering the voice that's happening in the in the heads of of your customers. And I think that the way that that I was able to do that was through like so many conversations where I where I asked repeat like you know, what are, what are your biggest challenges right now when it comes to your music what's a year from now what would you have to accomplish in order to feel really good about where you're at what's holding you back from getting there you know these are just like core sales questions but just like core human questions too right like those are 
those are amazing questions. You can ask anyone and, and it's going to cause them to kind of dig, dig deep. And so I, I think that that was really kind of the key was like the feedback mechanism and kind of tu- is like tuning a guitar, you know, and, and, and getting it to sound good. And if it's out of tune, then it doesn't matter how good the song is. It doesn't matter how well you play it. It's just not going to, it's not going to resonate. Gotcha. So you, so you got, you, you first found success by getting one-on-one clients. Were you able to scale that up to the $5,000 three month program, like that price tag? before like having a team and all these other coaches? Was it just you doing that yourself first? So when I first started, I mean, I was, what else, when I first started, I was like, I had such little, like I had never coached anyone else before. I really didn't know what I was doing. So I was just like, basically just like, like, I'll just, I'll just, I was basically just willing to like do it um, just to, you know, to, uh, for, for basically whatever. I, I think I, I was very flexible or I was like, you know, what works for you kind of thing. And so I, when I first started, I think it was maybe like $400 a month that I got a few um, clients for. And then I think I, the next step was going up to a thousand dollars a month. And because I was just making these offers on the, the calls, you know, I could, I could really adapt and I could make different offers and I could, you know, try, change it up pretty quickly. I think that was the most, that was the most that I ever did. Whereas like the one-on-one coach, it was like a thousand dollars a month. And, you know, through that, like I started to kind of get into a rhythm of like, like when I started working with a new person, I started getting some assets. We kind of did a similar thing. There's sort of a, a pattern around, we'd like launch a campaign together. And I would, and, you know, through trying a bif- bunch of different things too, like while we were doing that, like we tried certain campaigns and different campaigns and seeing like which ones are, are actually working. And then there was one that was just like working way better than all the other ones. And in a nutshell, it's, it was just, uh, we call it virtual tour hacking. And it's a lot like tour hacking, what we did when we walked up to people on lines, but like you do it through messenger conversations instead. And that worked really well. And also it was a good tie in with like my story with, with tour hacking and virtual tour hacking where we could talk, you know, we could, where I could share that. And the, the whole, like the marketing that drove the entire thing was a PLF style workshop that I ran ads to. It was called the tour hacking workshop. And I ran, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this one workshop and it's, and it's made me many more hundreds of thousands of dollars, even though it was like running it, it's like this old dingy webcam. And it was like, is almost cringeworthy. Like when I like looked at it, but the content, the actual stuff was like the quality of the video wasn't great, but like the actual story and the content was, was good. And on that workshop, um, the main call to action was just to get on a call with, with me. And so, yeah, so that scaled up and eventually, eventually like you know, it started to structure a little bit more like, cause the patterns, like it, it, you start getting into, I think it's just, just the, the way that, you know, that the universe works and that the human brain works is like in terms of like patterns that we, we kind of start to fall into grooves and we see what's working. And, and so based on that, um, you know, I think I hired, I think a couple of my first hires were, um, people to take the initial strategy sessions. So like the initial calls, um, to start working and then they started um, doing some of those. And I would just do the, the coaching calls to like launch, launch the the campaign and it started like creating some assets because I was so that I could save some time. I could share the same tools and like the targeting worksheets and the different funnels and, and things with, with clients. And I eventually created like a members, like a training portal so that uh, we could have, we could kind of tag team it. So like they could do some of the stuff that wasn't a good use of our time, like them, like setting up their accounts and like doing stuff. Like basically we found that there was the same biggest blocks like that every artist kept running into 
over and over again, which is usually around like, for example, launching the first ad campaign. It was like when actually clicking the button launch and just like making it go was like a key point where people were just getting stuck, like trying to do it on their own. So strategically we put in a coaching call at that point to kind of like put the finishing touches on it and click go so that they had the confidence to just be like, okay, like you know, I, this is set up correctly. So I think that's probably for anyone who's like listening to this right now that if you ever were considering adding a higher tier with coaching or hiring coaches to help out, to facilitate what you're teaching in your course, um, a great point or a great thing to kind of ask would be, are there any key points in the the journey for my customers where they tend to get stuck or they tend to have a lot of questions or they tend to just, and a lot of it I think is around those key moments where it's like launching something new where they're just not really sure, like, is this set up correctly? Or they want confirmation. They want to review that it's like set up correctly. And those are a really good candidate, I think, for like kind of adding, adding some of those, those coaching calls. I think, I think a lot of people make a, a, a similar mistake. Like when you went into it and you first launched a course and didn't make any sales from hearing your story, you had one, you had one piece of evidence that this would work. And that was your experience in, in, in your band paradise fears, right? A lot of people think they kind of have a way to do something, but have never necessarily taught it to anybody else. Right. Mm. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons that the, the direct coaching model has worked so well for you is because um, not everything that worked for you is going to work for other people certain things are going to work for other people that you didn't even try. And so it sounds like you were able to gain a lot of valuable experience on what works and what doesn't work uh, in general, and not just for your experience with your band. But I, and, and I think that the people that do do it that way, where they do some direct teaching, some direct coaching to really refine that process, still eventually package it up into a course and not necessarily like continue the, the direct coaching model. Right. But even to this day, like that's your main offer is this $5,000 coaching program, which is really, really interesting. Um, so, given all that, I'm curious to know a little bit more details about exactly what somebody gets because it sounds like there is kind of a course portal plus coaching. Like, do they get a certain number of coaching calls? Right. Yep. Yep. So there's, it's a three month program or like a 12 week program. And so they have a weekly one-on-one session um, with a coach and, you know, it, it's split up into four different modules and the coaches are based on each of the different modules. So there's like different coach types based on the different um, categories of, of the, the program. Uh, so those are like the one-on-one weekly, weekly coaching calls. And then uh, throughout the week, there's a, a daily uh, group coaching call that's also broken down based on those those different modules. And then um, there's a there's a members portal that, I mean, honestly, like if all they had was the members portal, they could launch the entire thing successfully on their own just with the members portal. And so we always like, encourage them that if they want to go ahead of pace, um, they can kind of go at their own pace. And that's awesome too when that happens. Then it's like they show up for the call. It's like, cool, like you got this going. There's one guy... There's one guy, uh, Steve Steve Ryan, who just joined, and he he got on our first mastermind on our first mastermind call. Like I think a week and a half later, he's like, "Yeah, like I I already went through the entire the entire course. I like I launched everything. Like, dude, you're insane. Everything is in the portal. We have it broken down. But then, yeah, we just we just structure the weekly coaching calls so that it's like we we put the the pieces that we saw most people kind of getting stuck on on their own. And, you know, having that accountability too, I think is a big thing. The accountability is, is so important. Um, I know personally, like for me, if there's something that's uncomfortable to do, then it's, 
almost never going to get done unless I put some form of like accountability on myself to say like, okay, what's worse that's going to happen if I don't do this thing and can't push it off, you know? So yeah, a lot, I mean, a lot of it's the, the training portal now is like, that's a huge resource to, to be able to share. But also I think that a lot of people just feel overwhelmed right now. And, and the coaching is really like a, a huge, I think a huge part of the role of a coach is just around the mindset. You know, like if you're, if you're making some sort of transformation or you're growing, like it's by its very nature, it's going to cause you to stretch yourself and it's going to feel uncomfortable and it's going to be a struggle. And I think for 99.9% of people who, who fail, it's something mindset related where they give up too fast or they're making some sort of mistake that they're just totally unaware of. And then they think, oh, well, this doesn't work or, you know, and they just need someone to be like, hey, like you're on the right track. You got this. Oh, like you didn't see this, but this is what's going on. So I think that, yeah, I think that it's, it's really uh, valuable for people to have a a mentor, have someone guiding them. It's kind of like, here's a great analogy. So the the way that that we put it is that, that one, like, you know, you can, if you're going on a cross country trip, then if you don't, if you don't have a map and you're going to go on this trip, then there's a good chance that you could make it to the destination eventually if you're persistent and you're willing to keep going no matter what happens. And if you're going to take a lot of wrong turns, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're probably going to ask a lot of people on the side of the road for directions and they'll give you advice and they may or may not know what they're talking about or might lead you in the right direction or not. But if you're persistent, like eventually um, you can get to the destination on your own. But it's a lot easier if you have a map that literally just kind of guides guides you in the right direction. But even better than a map, you know, if you have like a GPS that's really kind of guiding you, and then if you take a wrong turn, it's like re-navigating and kind of brings you back to the correct path. You know, that, that's kind of how I view having the feedback, the feedback mechanism. And I think with like, I, I think that you can do a lot with courses to kind of provide that feedback mechanism. If you're smart, you can probably have feedback mechanisms within the course to kind of course correct them in, in the right direction. But um, th- th- in a lot of ways, that's how I how I view the role of of a coach is that they're like the GPS who's kind of just making sure that that they're on track and kind of can help them renavigate. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I, I love that analogy, and it sounds like the kind of the course is the map, and then if you take that to the next level, like if you have the course plus the coaching and the accountability, that's that's where we have the direct feedback, uh, the rerouting, the GPS. But some people probably just want the map or maybe they can't afford the upgrade, right? Why is it that you've stuck with just the $5,000 program? Why not add in a cheaper version that is just the course? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, it's something that I've thought about a lot and we've, you know, we've dabbled with like creating course too, but I I think mostly the reason right now is just that um, we've been so focused on the program and we want it to just be like the best uh, possible. And that's because of that. And, I, and I've heard a lot of quotes of you know, things like if you chase two rabbits, then you don't catch e- either one, you know? And so a big part of what I've like, my strategy has been like, just like, just focus, just make this like the very best possible thing. And, and I do, I, f- I feel obviously I'm biased, but I, I feel really proud of the program we offer. And I think that it's the best thing that's available right now by far. And with the course, I think that we could do something like that, but I also think that it would be, we'd have to do it in a really smart way so that it doesn't take away energy from the program and that it aligns really well with, with the full program. Um, I also think that we just haven't gone there yet, but it might be something that we do very soon as we start running into the, 
the challenges with scaling up a team indefinitely, like we talked about, I think that there are going to be points where it's kind of like, oh my gosh, there's like a manager of a manager of a manager. And there's like all it's just, it gets really crazy, really fast. So I think that maybe at that point, we'll need to be a little bit more smart about how we scale. But I really like the idea of first and foremost, really digging deep with the coaching because of the feedback mechanism of it and the direct coaching and the learnings from it, as long as there's good ways to iterate on the program. Another piece of this is that things are changing so quickly. Like things change so quickly in today's landscape that I feel like um, that's one of the the benefits of having this direct kind of interaction, direct coaching is that like we're on the cutting edge of exactly where things are at. And as things change, we can kind of, we can, we can be surfing that wave where, you know, if we create a, created a course, then it's fast. It, it, you know, it's going to three or four years from now might be irrelevant. Um, and we have to create a new course. So I think there's, there's pros and cons, but I think, I think you're right that like that, that's probably one of our next steps now is going to be really facilitating, like creating a good, um, a good process for, you know, taking the scaffolding from the program and the, the course, the membership materials and creating something more scalable and feeding it into the, the coaching program. And I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that's even the right way. I just know that a lot of people listening to this would probably have that exact same question. It's like most people um, that come on the podcast and, and get into this world, like the goal is kind of a course, like it's more passive income, more scalable. And you're very set on this $5,000 program but there's also great power in the focus and simplicity too, like you said, and you put all of your energy into, into selling this one program and making this one program as good as it can possibly be. So with that said, it's a $5,000 price tag. Um, I think you've said that base, is it, you can only buy it over a phone call. Is that right? There's no like order forms that people can fill out on their own. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and also, I mean, a big part of the sales process is that by its very nature, because of um, the fact that it is like so high touch and we have a limited amount of team members, we have to be really selective with like, with how many artists we're bringing on at any time. So you know, we get between seven, 800 applications per month and narrow it down to about 30 to 35 artists to work with. And so, yeah, so it's not just like available all the time. And, and also we, t- we turn a ton of people away if we don't think that they're at the right point where they're going to get the most value from the program or it's going to be worth it for them or that they're just going to be a good fit for our community, then um, we'll guide them in the best direction. But that's probably not going to be like the the program right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and typically the the wall of where I see where where you're going to want to make the sales over on the phone versus versus online would be somewhere around the $2,000 price point. So um, I, I don't know that I've heard of anybody selling at $5,000 without a phone call. So that makes a lot of sense. Do you um, do you advertise the price anywhere or do, do, do people not find out about the price until they're on the phone? And, and how do they feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I used to feel a lot more shy about, um, about the price because I mean, all with any sort of like high ticket price point, like part of the thing is like, it's going to be a bit polarizing because there's going to be people who don't feel like they can afford it. And, and it's, and it's going to kind of create this, this distance. And I, I think also just at the beginning to, to be honest, I like, there's just, and part of the reason that I love high ticket offers is I think that it forces you to really to examine your self-worth and to figure out like how, how you can provide something that's at that, that price point. I think when I first started out, like I had to get through a lot of personal doubts, like, is this worth $5,000 and how can I make this worth um, this much? And 
I mean, now it's at a point where it's like, it's not, it's so easy. It's not even close. Like I know it's like, I, I genuinely feel like it's worth at least 10 times that much. So it's much easier to, to talk about it and to sell it when I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what it is. And it's, and it's a great deal. But in terms of like how, how we offer that, how we present the price, um, we don't, because we don't just like sell it upfront. We don't, we don't say this $5,000 on, on like the website, the, our main sales mechanism right now for the program is that we have a, a weekly live webinar um, that I do and I actually do it live once a week. We also have like an evergreen version of it. If someone comes in um, on their own, but on the live webinar, um, I'll just break down like every, like I'll go like super hardcore into like everything and like the metrics and, and, and the funnels and, and, and really like share a lot of the templates that we actually have in the program but then um, at the end, you know, I'll, I'll make the offer for the application essentially. Like, so it's not even like we're selling the course, but I'll let them know that I'll tell them exactly who's the best fit, like who we're looking for. And if they think that they'd be a good fit, then they can apply and, you know, and answer some of these questions, share their music um, and kind of sh- just and share where, where they're at right now. And, and if, if they might be a good fit, then we'll book a free coaching call w- with one of our coaches. And then from there, um, if we're definitely a good fit, then we'll offer the program. And now that we, like at the end, when we do that, usually I'll, I'll, I'll be a lot more transparent about like, cause usually there's always people who are asking. So like, you know, what does this, what does this cost? <laughs> um, and so, uh, that's usually where, where I'll, I'll talk about, I'll talk about it and I'll talk about, look, um, I understand like if, if you don't have the finances to invest, um, in something like this right now, no hard feelings. Um, I would recommend that everyone goes through the application process because it fit or not right now, we're going to guide you in the best possible direction. And so that might not mean the program right now. And so like on the application itself, there's the last question is literally us being like, Hey, it's, um, it's a investment of $5,000 to work together. Is it something that you can afford? We also have a payment plan available. And, and so if they answer no on that, that question, then we, you know, then we guide them in, in a different direction. And that was one thing that we realized, this was like a game changer for us was when we realized that the applications that came in, in out of the people who actually joined the program, like 98% of the people had answered that last question, yes. And there was probably like maybe 25%, 30% of people that we would schedule a strategy session call with who had answered that question. No, but like, you know, but then their music's really great or they think that they're a good fit or, or whatnot, but then they just weren't, they weren't the right, the right, like they weren't going to be ready to, to work with our team. And so that was like, at that point, we're like, oh, cool. Like we can, we can use this as a filtration mechanism and like, and we, and uh, that, that was a big lever for us. Yeah. So, so when they get on the phone with you, they know it's a $5,000 program. That's not a surprise at the end of the call. Exactly. I mean, it sounds like you set it up just perfectly. So it sounds like the, when you started to outsource the sales calls, that was, that was kind of the big point in the business. Um, I'm sure most people think that sounds good, but like, where do you even start to find somebody to outsource that to? Where, where did you find that first person to take over the sales calls for you? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I feel most grateful for in terms of, in terms of our business. And and I think that this probably applies to like, to all businesses, honestly, like that, that are teaching information products, like, like we're teaching is the people 
like our entire team right now, or not aside from maybe one or two people, are all artists who went through our program, who I've connected with. And we literally have like the pick of the litter in terms of the artists who we've connected with, who are getting the best results, who've actually implemented, who you've seen have had like the best mindset and who are good fit for for the team. And um, so essentially like through in, in our coaches for the most part right now, like they, they're artists who are pursuing their music full time. And then they have a part-time, you know, maybe 10 hours a week that they're working with our team and they're getting to mentor and to work along with the side of a bunch of other musicians and stay connected to the community and to develop their own mastery of, of these skills. So it's a really beautiful kind of like ecosystem that's, that's feeding its, itself and helping the team grow. When we first started, yeah, the first the first person that uh, ever joined the team was uh, a strategy session coach, which was like a, a sales coach, and um, he was someone that I had met through a strategy session. Oh wow! So so came through the business uh, as well. Is that somebody who had signed up with you, or or no? You know what's funny? I think he's the only person who didn't go through the program and stuff who didn't sign up, um, but join the team. And he's, he's awesome. His name is Sam. He's like, he's just like a very high level, uh, human being. So like, it makes sense that he's like, basically when I look at people who are going to join the team, I'm like, they need to be like an A plus player. They need to be like someone who is just a no brainer. I've heard this said before where it's like, if it's not a, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. You know, and that's that's probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned in terms of building the team. And what I found is that there's been there's been people like that where I'm like, my I get like goosebumps. I'm like, dude, like holy cow, like you're incredible. You're an amazing human being, and like you get it. And you know, it, and those are the people that generally tend to be the best fit for the team. And also, part of the beauty of it is like going through the program, they learn exactly how the program works. They learn all the facets of the program. They have an understanding and it makes it like, it's almost like a training to become a coach, or at least like in, in part, like uh, by going through the program, they're developing a lot of the skill sets that are going to help them mentor other artists. I mean, I think all of us have the capacity within us when we learn something to be able to mentor and help other people with it. And through that process, we become better at the thing ourselves too. And so there is something, something really like kind of, it's like a reverberation and there's like a, there's a fractal pattern to it that that's uh, kind of like roots, roots growing from a tree. That's, that's, uh, you know, and it's interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure that, that you've noticed this too, Jacques, like um, in terms of the internet marketing industry too, that, you know, there, there are a lot of examples of, there's like sort of like resonance, I think around when you can lead by example by like teaching the thing that you, that you're, you're you're leading by example. So for example, like Jeff Walk um, teaching product launch formula, the way that he sells product launch formula is with product launch formula, right? And so there's sort of like this like leading by example. It's like there's an authenticity to it, and it's there's something that like something really powerful about that. And you kind of there's like a meta a meta level to it. And I think a lot of you know a lot of internet marketers like they're teaching. Um, how to do the thing that they're currently doing. And because of that, they're also getting feedback mechanisms on that while they're doing the thing that they can kind of feedback forward into their clients. So there's definitely something interesting that can happen when you can like be taking what you're currently doing right now and the lessons that you're learning and being able to kind of feed, feed that back into the service that you're providing. That's yeah, that's really well said. That's one thing I, I actually struggle with because I've got two very distinct and separate brands and with with the online course show with the online course guy brand i try to i try to like share information from my piano business actually right 
and it's not like within and, and all meta, uh, which is a lot easier and simpler way to go. Um, but at the same time, you know, I like it this way because then I get to share information about a very much like hobby business, non-money making opportunity. And I think that's what one thing that people enjoy hearing from me, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's an important important point too, because I feel like there is a danger of there sort of being like like an echo chamber, almost like sort of like a a, sh- a fake or shallowness if it doesn't have that real substance, like what you're talking about. Like you have you've done this with your piano business, right? It's not like you're only making money teaching other people how to make money. So there is just yeah, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that happens with that sometimes. I don't. It's no secret. I think that one of the best ways to make money is to teach other people how to make money. Yes. Yes. But just hopefully somewhere in their background, they actually did it for real and not just on that one business. Yeah. It's really fat. I mean, we're getting into like, uh, like uh, I think money in and of itself is sort of an imaginary concept and it's, it's real because we all believe in it and we all have given it value, but like ultimately money needs to represent something val like of something real something tangible something of, and it only is valuable because we can get things that come from it mm-hmm. and so money just for the sake of money there is something where it's kind of lacking that real that realness that real connection to it so it's kind of like a a clown house i think it's kind of interesting yeah it's it's a way to it's a way to store value essentially right so like you know tens of thousands of years ago if 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 i needed somebody to dig a ditch and um you know you knew how to dig a ditch well how can we put a value on that? Or how can you save the value of digging a ditch? Well, you know, that's, that's where money comes in. It's like, okay, I, d- I dug a ditch for 10 hours. How do we put value on that? I'm going to give you, you know, $150. That's the value of digging a ditch for 10 hours. That's the way I look at it. So let's get back to the, to the talking about the team. I'm curious about managing people, managing team, because you were in a band for 10 years. Then just two or three years ago, you didn't even have a business. And now you're managing this massive team. Like, how does like how did how did you get good at that? Um, what, what's your secret for for growing a team so quickly? And how are you at managing that team? Gosh, I mean, to be honest, it's it's one thing. Like, I wish that I could just take credit for like everything. Like, it's just because I'm like so brilliant. But I, but I honestly feel like so much of this is just like I'm just like along for the ride, man. <laughs> like, it's just it's like much bigger than much bigger than me. And and I think honestly, like the core root. The, like the entire thing driving it isn't isn't me it's the movement man like it's the movement of right now there's a huge need in the music industry because there's a lot of artists who are struggling you know there's the the whole the quote unquote starving artists like phenomenon like there's a huge need and there's so many artists that are look like they're so talented but they have they're not they don't really know how do i promote myself how to make an income with my music so I think in a lot of ways, like it's way bigger than me. It's part of, it's about the movement first and foremost. And I happen to be a voice that has been able to kind of plug into the movement. But in terms of building the team, I, one great book is called Rocket Fuel. That was in a big part of our structure for how we structure our team came from that book. And it talks a lot about visionaries and like integrators. 
And so um, that's really how we structure our, our, our team. And we just, we just redid, we did like a quarterly review and quarterly planning session. We like went through our entire accountability chart and it was definitely a moment where I kind of like took a step back and I'm like, wow, dude, like this is crazy. Like this is, this is amazing. And um, the team is like, really like, I think is like the biggest asset that we have is, is, is the, the humans and the amazing people that are part of the team. So I think that, that book, Rocket Fuel, is great in terms of visionary integrator. Um, I think when I started out kind of managing the team, it was just me. I think like most businesses who start out, it's like you're wearing all the hats, right? And then it's eventually like, okay, what what are some of the hats that I can start to start to outsource? And for most people, I think a great way to think about it is like, okay, what are the activities that are literally going to bring in revenue? And those are some of the easiest things to hire people on board, especially if they're paid on some sort of commission. So that way, you know, you're not taking on a bunch of risk and people are only, you're only, they're only getting paid if they're bringing in extra, extra revenue. So I think that's a good place to start. Um, I think customer service is probably a good place to start too, just so that like you can start to free up, free up your time. Really, I think for most people, it's just a matter of figuring out what am I currently spending my time on and how can I like, how can I extract myself? How can I replace myself? Like where, where, like, and also, you know, probably what am I not really that good at? What are, what, what are my strengths? Um, and what are the things I'm doing repetitively over and over and over again? I mean, I think a big part of what's helped us grow too, is not just the team, but like, we're super efficient with like automations, like, like, so we systematize as much as humanly possible. Right. So like there's so many things that are automated throughout the entire business and the team, um, it, it frees up a lot of resources for the team. Yeah, really cool. Um, Michael, just a couple a uh, couple more for you here. Um, next, I want to go uh, kind of big picture. Uh, what has now now that you're here, now that you found this level of success uh, with your program, like what's what's something cool that, that you've been able to do as a result of this or what's what's kind of been the best day? um, at, it, within your business or, or as a result of having this business? Yeah, I think probably personally, um, the thing that I geek out about most right now is this like software as a service that, that we're developing. I've always, I've always wanted to, and this is like, a, again, like I'm, sh- I'm showing my geekiness here, but, but I've always wanted to, um, learn how to code, like, and how to program, how to create apps, um, I've, I grew up and I was like a, a big fan of video games and, um, and also, uh, my dad's a huge Steve jobs fan. And I, and I've always been really passionate about technology and, um, probably about four or five months ago, uh, we, we were, yeah, I had this idea for, for this app and I've had it for like probably a couple of years, but, um, because of the platform we've built now, you know, I sent out an email to our audience and there's, you know, about 65,000 musicians. And I basically, in the email, I just said, looking for, um, software developers. And in the email, I just basically like, Hey, um, I've got this idea for this app and here's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, would you be interested in being a part of it? If so, could you answer a couple of, couple of questions? Specifically what I was looking for was musicians who are really passionate, like really interested in pursuing their music and kind of taking things to the next level who are also developers. And so that we could do some sort of trade of service and build this app together. And doing that, we got about 153 applications and granted, like the, the resume is like, most of them were pretty bad. Most of them were like totally unqualified. And like, I was like, like, really? Like, this is like a resume, but, um, 
there was probably like 15 that were actually really good, that were really good. And we narrowed it down to like five um, to get started with. And we built a developer team um, to create this app and to do it in exchange for joining the program. And we've been able to build this thing out, which easily can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to build an app and to be able to do it in a really like organic rooted way where the people who are also working on it are just like totally like dialed in, excited. And like, and we're all like totally on the same page. And it's, you know, not really about the money part of it as much as just like the excitement and the passion, what we're creating and, and the movement. And so I think that that's one example of something really cool that, that we've been able to do just like having this, this platform to be able to, to find people who are geeks like me, who are also excited um, to be able to create something like that. That's amazing. I mean, as you said, creating an app like, like that, and I've seen your app, but it, um, it can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? But not only did you not have to, to pay that to a developer, but the, the developers that you have working on it are super passionate about what it is, what, what the app is, right? So it's kind of like a, a win, 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 like wins all the way around. All right. So, so last one for you here, man, before we get out of here and um, usually like to wrap up this way, but would love to just get you to, to offer advice. Not that you haven't offered a lot of advice mm-hmm. already, but if somebody's out there listening, maybe more at the beginning stages wondering, you know, how should I get started? What direction I should go? Or maybe somebody's just kind of struggling, you know, they launched and didn't have a sale. Um, just trying to find their way in this world of, of online business, online marketing and online courses. What is your advice for those people? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I would, I would say that you're in the right place right now. The fact that like you're here listening to this podcast and you're following Jacques, I think makes you probably 10,000 times more likely to become successful as long as you stay persistent and you stick with it. It's like you have the map, right? You have the map. And if you keep coming back to it, like you can get there, but you got to keep going, right? Like you, you have to put one foot uh, in front of another one and keep going. And, and, you know, if something isn't quick clicking into place, then, then it's, it's probably a matter of like, you know, maybe you're like, oh, wait, where am I at on the map? But, oh, I need to figure this out. Um, so I think that you, one, you should just like acknowledge yourself for, for being, can I, can I swear on this? I think I can probably swear on this, right? Uh, we, we keep it PJ, but, but if you do, we can, we can easily bleep it out. So you, you be you and we'll handle it. <laughs> okay. I was going to say like, um, you know, congratulate yourself for being a badass um, because you know, you, <laughs> cause you're, you're in the right place and you just invest in the time into like finding guidance. Mentorship is like step one, right? Um, my personal advice for you, just based on, based on my own experience and what's worked for me. I think, you know, there's a million different things that work for everyone else. So ultimately you need to take what works for you and, you know, to, to keep doing the thing that you find working. But um, from, from what works for me, what I would recommend is if you're in that early stage and you haven't made any sales yet for a video course, and you're just starting out then, or even if you are getting ready to launch your first video course, um, get on, get on conversations, get on zoom calls with the people that you're looking to serve, like get on real zoom calls and, and ask them, ask them questions, ask them questions. Like what's your biggest challenge when it comes to blank? Um, what's your ultimate goal? Like what do you, if you could wave a magic wand, you know, what would it look like? Um, if, if it was successful and what are the biggest like opposite, what's holding you back from getting to that point on your own? Um, just, just ask those questions and that alone is going to like, that's going to change, that's going to change everything. That's going to help you really get in tune 
And I also, I also think if you're just starting out and you need an injection of cash quickly, then I think coaching is a great, um, a great way to start offering value. And, and I think that, that you can, um, you can do it in a smart way where you can also leverage your time and start creating the assets to create a course around what you're doing at the same time. Um, but that's probably where, where I would start out. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And, and listeners, uh, regular listeners will know that I, that I definitely endorse that advice. So, uh, Michael, been a pleasure as always, man. I don't think we've even mentioned the website yet. So, uh, you know, give, give a shout out to your website and, and anywhere else that uh, listeners might be able to connect with you online. Yeah. So the website is www.modern-musician.com. Yeah. I and mean, that's probably the best place to, uh, to reach out. I'm not super active on, on social media. Yeah. I'm just not, not a, not a social media kind of guy. I spend too much time with my, uh, with my, my kids and on the business to, to, to be good at social media stuff. But, um, if you want to connect, then if you go to the, the website there, then, then I'm sure they'll, you'll be able to, to pull the string and get, get to us somewhere through there. More important things to do than, than social media. Love it. All right, Michael. Thanks so much. Take care, man. All right. We are back here with Dr. K now. All right, Dr. K, that was, that was me and Michael, uh, man, that, that was, that was a fun conversation. What did you think? Well, I thought his life is a lot more interesting than it would have been if he'd become a dentist. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's a great story. I mean, just that, that first success becoming a musician and then going on to now, now leading other people down this path of success. It's, it's really amazing. One, one thing I did want to ask you, uh, it sounds like you and Michael have become friends or are, or know each other before this conversation. So how do you two know each other? Yeah, so we know each other through Graham Cochran. Uh, we were both a part of Graham's uh, mastermind, and so and you know Graham is um, in, in kind of in the music space, and there were there were several other people in the mastermind, but but other than Graham, myself and Michael were the only other two in the music space. So we we hit it off pretty quickly, and so we had definitely had um, conversations with each other prior to this podcast interview. So we had um, we we knew each other to a good bit. And so we knew each other to to an extent going into it, unlike a lot of the the interviews, right? A lot of the interviews, I'm kind of meeting the person for the first time. Uh, whereas with Michael, I, I had known him a few months w- when we recorded that. Well, I don't actually remember you talking about this mastermind. Can you explain more about what that was and what your goal was with joining it and how what you got out of it? Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I didn't realize I hadn't talked about it. So um, Graham Cochran's been on the podcast, somebody I've looked up to for a very long time. Um, he's, he's, you know, kind of, um, kind of where I want to be in five years. He's probably five years older than me. He's got two daughters, you know, probably roughly five years older than my two daughters. He's been married for a while, seems to have a great relationship with his wife, with his kids. He's a Christian. Um, and he seems to just do business the right way. His, his, his first business was in the, um, in the, in the music niche, uh, teaching people like audio engineering type stuff, uh, music production. It's called the Re- Recording Revolution, and now he's branched off and teaches online business. Uh, he's been doing that for the past couple of years. So he's just there, there's a lot of similarities with, with what he's done and what he's trying to do, and what I'm trying to do as well. So um, I've actually tried to kind of get him to to somewhat mentor me or coach me in the past. Like I, I currently don't have any sort of business coach. I think that's a good thing to have, and um, he's, he's always turned me down. So when he when he launched this like higher higher level mastermind several months ago, um, I jumped in and I was a part of it for about three months, 
And it was, it was really cool, really high level uh, people. Most, most everybody in there had online courses doing really, really well. Um, and that's where I met Michael. Gotcha. Well, early in the conversation, um, this idea that they tour hacked. And so just picturing this young band going out to a place where a bunch of people are hanging out before a concert and actually walking up to them with an iPod and some earphones and being like, Hey, do you want to listen to this music? And then ultimately selling a CD. Um, that was just so impressive. And to me, it's just a highlight that, when you're in business, you have to step outside of your comfort zone at times. Um, I mean, that's a ballsy thing to do. And he admits, he says he, he wasn't some super bold person. He said it, it made him scared. But for anybody that's out there starting a course, it's like you need to have that mindset that when it's time to grow your business, it's time to launch, get outside of your comfort zone. Yep, absolutely. All right. So another thing you mentioned somewhere in that conversation was something called double your dating. So did you act I looked up this ebook. It looks like it's still for sale. Did you buy that? Uh I don't think I bought it, but I've I I I don't know if a friend had a copy or what, but basically um I'm I'm fairly big into self-help type stuff. And um there's there's a period of my life where I was even more into it. And so I followed all kinds of people. That's when I first came across Tony Robbins and people like that. And um and and uh, Eben Pagan is is a very interesting guy um, teaching, you know, men to be better men, to be better people. And and I remember that was like his when he would talk about his like uh, his story. That was one of the, his the first business successes he had was he just he wrote everything he knew about like attracting women into this ebook and started selling it. And so I remember um, him telling that story about how he gets started with ebooks which was like probably, I don't, I don't know when he started, but that was probably before online courses were even a thing or barely a thing. And he made a killing with just like, I don't know, probably a 30 page PDF. Gotcha. Nice. Well, so the whole discussion of coaching versus course, um, yeah. to what extent, how do you feel about coaching at this point? I mean, you still do, you still sometimes do some amount of one-on-one coaching, but how do you feel about that? Well, you know, he's got he's got his process really dialed in, which is which is really inspiring that he was able to 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 get to this level of of team and outsourcing and automation in such a short amount of time. You know, I've been I've been in business far longer than he has. And and what he's got set up is very intimidating to me. You know, he's got this one five thousand dollar program. He's got a bunch of salespeople. They got they got to go through the phone Um it's, it's good. If I, if I had a, like a coaching program, I'd want it set up the way that Michael has it. Like, I wouldn't want to be the one doing the calls. I wouldn't necessarily want to be the one doing most of the coaching. Maybe I could jump in here and there, but I could see having a dialed in system like Michael has it. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I can just see, I mean, the coaching provides, it really does provide more of a transformation. I mentioned that I joined Jonathan's podcast course and the first, like I'm watching videos and watching it, he created it for this co- cohort that we're all going through it together. And I can see where they probably made swifter progress than I am um, because I'm I'm doing it myself. And so I see that value in having that one-on-one accountability or a cohort-based accountability. Um, as far as me wanting to do coaching, I think I get my coaching fill within my practice where I'm yeah. coaching people and being better health. So I think that there's kind of a, yeah, only so much of it that each individual person wants to do as far as guiding a person one-on-one. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a better transformation and, and you know that that's what I'm all about. I haven't figured out exactly how to, to implement that at my business most effectively, but what I'm thinking is to, you know, we, we now have somebody on our team now that can play and teach piano other than myself. So I think we might do another boot camp here soon, uh, where we teach the program live, but, but she would be the main teacher instead of me. So we can kind of dip our toe in the water there and see how that goes and see if people are receptive to getting that coaching from someone other than myself. And I'm thinking that, that, that they will be receptive. I, we did a, um, you know, I do my light weekly live Q and a with my piano students. And for the first time, uh, Annie joined me on it this past week and it was both of us. And I was actually sitting right here at my computer and she was the one at the keyboard. And so if, if somebody came on and had a question about the platform and the tech, then I took it. But if somebody had a question about the piano, then she took it and it was about 50, 50 and it went really, really well. And, uh, people were very, very receptive to, to Annie being on the camera at the keys. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. It's, it's something we're, we're considering. Gotcha. Well, I did think he mentioned something that could be helpful for a lot of listeners as they craft their course offering. He said that you can really zero in on the sticking points that somebody going through your course would have and where they're going to run into an obstacle. He said a lot of times that's a mindset obstacle or they're just scared to, let's say they're scared to pull the trigger on starting their first Facebook ads or whatever that would be. And he said that they really focus on offering the personalized coaching at that sticking point. Mm -hmm. And so even if somebody's going to do mostly just this automated course, certainly if you say, we're going to include three coaching sessions live where I'm going to review where you're at, make sure that everything's good to go and be with you there when you push the, you know, start the ad button. That's something that would kind of uh, do a hybrid of the two, but certainly it would provide more value to the person purchasing the course and give them more confidence. So yeah, awesome. Good takeaway. I guess my last takeaway then was just, um, he's still doing a weekly webinar. Like Mm -hmm. you said, he's still doing the phone. And so again, I mean, I think a lot of the times the way that you've taught has said, you know, let's automate everything, but, uh, certainly there's a place for saying, let's, let's, let's do the higher touch and, and create higher value and sometimes not be in as much of a hurry to to make everything automated. Yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that part, David. So thanks for bringing it up. That's very impressive. It's I, after talking to him, I was like, man, should I be doing a weekly live webinar? You know, it's there's so many things we could be doing. And um, Michael seems to be doing the right things for sure. So I guess you said that was the last uh, the last thing on your list, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I was just uh, I was just really inspired by this conversation, just how how quickly Michael, you know, has found success. Um, I, I didn't know the the kind of origin story to the business side until this conversation, the whole Jeff Walker stuff and, um, you know, not not finding immediate success and um, and and really struggling at first. But then once he found success, it really, really just kind of steamrolled through. So I, I hope everybody got a lot out of this as well. It was just just really inspiring. So uh, with that, let's kind of close this out. Uh, Dr. K, thanks for joining me here for, for another episode. Uh, everybody go listen to um, I Propose a Story or at least go to iproposestory.com. And in the introduction, I mentioned kind of my tech stack. Uh, if, you're, if you're inspired by that and want to check out some of those tools that I'm now using, um, 
and, and want to support me in, in the podcast here, then I'm going to include uh, affiliate links for a lot of those products in the show notes. So you can find that at oc.show slash 175. All of those things that I mentioned, you know, Buddy Boss, Learn Dash, um, you know, WooCommerce is free, uh, CartFlows, like none of those, no one of those is very expensive. And, and no one of those is even comes with like a monthly fee. Some of them are like a one-time purchase. Some of them are like a yearly recurring um, payment. So that's one of the advantages of, of kind of the system that I've set up now is uh, it's a lot cheaper than the way that I was doing it before. So if you want to check that out, um, check out some of those products, then, then once again, oc.show slash 175. And if you would like me to possibly make a course one day in the future about how to set this up. Like, I, I don't know that anybody is doing courses now quite like I'm doing with all these different pieces and components working together and working together really well. So it's not something I'm promising, but it's something that's on my radar and, and people have asked for. But if that's if that sounds interesting to you out there, at all. Like, Hey, Jacques set up this whole WordPress thing. That sounds like it's interesting going well. I would love to possibly do the same. If you'd like me to maybe make a course on how to do this one day, just let me know. Let me know. I would love to hear back from you. I'm not going to make something like that if nobody wants it, but, but let me know whether it's in the online course community, Facebook group, email, something like that. Let me know. Uh, I'd love to hear from you either way. So with that, that's going to do it here for episode 175. Until next time, get out there and make some next level courses that provide magic word transformation to your students and not just information. Take care, everyone. 